Hey, man, it's me, Kevin Smith. Are you listening to the right podcast? Because you're supposed to be listening to Three Guys in a Flick. Are you listening to that right now? Then you're in the right place. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, but only illusions. And rainbows have nothing to hide. I've heard it too many times to ignore it. It's something that I'm supposed to be. Someday we'll find it. The rainbow connection. The lovers. The dreamers. And me. La da 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 La da 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 listening to three guys in a flick this is where we review the good the bad and the absurd tonight's episode the muppet movie 1979 beware spoilers coming to you from a studio in hollywood the kind they give with the rich and famous contract my name is don and to my right we have our comic book guy john heidi ho and to my left we have the professor ken good evening everybody how you guys doing tonight? I'm doing good. Feeling a little green, but I'm good. Why are you feeling green, bud? I'm getting over a cold. Oh, yeah. Well, stay on your side of the room, and we'll stay on ours. And what about we'll, you, Don? How are you doing tonight? You know what, Ken? Thank you for asking. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, good. <laughs> Why, if I was doing bad, is that bad? It could be. It'd be a downer for the night. I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Yeah, see? <laughs> That's what I was just expecting. Just be honest. Yeah let's just, yeah, let's just be honest. Tonight we are talking about the Muppet movie. Uh, the Muppet movie comes to us because, again, John just refuses to pick out of the fucking Bronco helmet. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you anyways. Hey, John, why the Muppet movie? Well, partly because I felt like my uh, ban from musicals, I think, has ended. So I was able to finally choose a musical again. Uh, but to be honest... Uh, I remember when my parents first took me when I was seven years old to see the Muppet movies at a local drive-in. And I just remember a movie that was just pure joy and pure happiness and so much fun. And I was a big fan of the TV series at the time. It was the number one show on TV. Uh, and I just remember being in love with the Muppets. I just loved everything about them. I thought they were the funniest thing in the world. And so I haven't seen the movie in forever, and I thought it might be fun to go back and see how well it holds up, you know, now that I'm no longer seven years old. Old and jaded, too. A little bit, yeah. You know what? That might be the most honest answer he has ever given on this show. So well done, bud. Well done. I am excited to talk about this movie, too. Uh, I didn't get to see it in the theater. I wasn't as cool as you. I had to wait for VHS, and I remember I saw it at my grandparents' house uh, in Denver, and there were three VHSs. Uh, there was The Muppet Movie, Superman, and Rocky. Ooh. And I remember wearing those three out when we would go to my grandparents' house in the summer when I was little. So, fucking right on. I don't know. What about you, sir? Had you seen this? Of course you've seen this. Of course I've seen this. What is your earliest memory of the Muppet movie? Uh, 
just, uh, was, you know, my parents very well could have taken me to see it in the theater. That, that, that's, a, that's a very strong possibility. But I don't necessarily remember that. I am highly confident, though, that we had this in Betamax. Oh. <laughs> and I so I, 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 I have watched this movie many times, and I have to say, watching it, it is surprising how many of the lines I am able to say, you know, as the movie progresses. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a fun trip, and, and it's a fun trip down memory lane. And outside of music... Uh, and we've said this before, but outside of music, I think that movies are one of the best time machines as well. Mm-hmm. So, and and I feel like they just don't make movies like this style of movie. When's the last time we saw a movie with so many just big celebrities just doing quick cameos throughout uh, the whole movie? Infinity War, Endgame, Civil War. I'm talking. They're part of the story. I mean, these are just. Um, so are these guys who these, just kind of gave their time to show up in a movie. I know, but your question was, yeah. and this is just me. I don't know if it's they don't make movies like this anymore. I think this movie was the first of its kind, and it's the it's the Godfather of this style of movie. I guess if that makes any type of sense. And I guess what I'm talking about is a puppet movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, these were puppets. It was the first, most very successful puppet movie, all puppet movie. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if you guys noticed this or not. I think this is one of the earliest examples of breaking the fourth wall. Kermit breaks it. Piggy breaks it. Everyone breaks it. But they are so subtle about it because they're fucking puppets. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's just my take. I'm curious to think about that now. Released on June 22nd, 1979. The Muppet Movie was directed by James Frawley, screenplay by Jerry Jewell and Jack Burns, and it stars Jim Henson, Frank Oz, Jerry Nelson, Richard Hunt, David Goals, Charles Durning, Austin Pendleton, and a bunch of other Muppets. How'd this movie do, Don? It was made for $8 million and brought in $65 million. So th- not too bad for a fucking Muppet movie. I think one of the reasons why it costs so much is Jim Henson wanted to do all the effects practical. He did some green screening, but a lot of it, like Kermit riding the bike and everything, those were all practical effects. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they had to build a lot of machines and a lot of robotic type stuff back then to get these things to work. Yeah. I had a different number that I came up with that it ended up doing in the box office, which was seventy-six million. Well, that's even better. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was very successful in the box office. It made it into the top ten. What was the? Uh, what was? What was uh, the number one movie for nineteen seventy-nine? Okay, before I look it up, do you know? Did you write it down? You already know it. Okay. Oh, I do. Yes, you. Oh, do. it's Star Wars. Nineteen seventy-nine. No, that's seventy-eight, right? So it's Rocky. It's not Rocky. Rocky 76. 1979. The Godfather? No, Godfather was earlier. Why you, uh, Alien? No. Alien was number 10. I thought you said No, the it was number 9. Okay. 1979. You said I should know this. Now I feel like a fucking... Don't look at me. I don't know. It was released in December. Of 79, so it's 80? Mm-hmm. Technically 80? Well, but it was released December 15th, 79. Oh, Raiders of the Lost Ark? No, sir. What is it? Superman. Oh, fuck my life. I'm surprised. I, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Do you, did you know that this was uh, the most successful all-puppet movie until the coming of another movie? What movie finally beat 
uh, an all puppet movie. Team America. Boy, we should review that. That'd be an awesome movie. Oh, but the movie that actually uh, beat the Muppet movie was the new Muppet movie. Oh, it wasn't Team America? No, it wasn't Team America. Oh, well, where were you fucking two minutes ago? Uh, Oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. The new Muppet movie. But I'm wondering if you compare it for inflation, if it really did beat it. I'm sure there is someone somewhere out there that could be able to tell you that. So, And when you find out, let me know, because I still won't care. Um... (laughs) I'm the only one that thought that was yeah, funny. <laughs> you know, I was surprised. I'm just going to gloss over that one. I'm surprised that, uh, I don't know, for some reason, I always thought that Jim Henson wrote and directed this movie. I didn't realize there were other directors and writers. Yeah, neither did I. I thought, well, at least for directing, I thought for sure Jim Henson directed this. But when Fowler's Fowley's name came on screen, I went, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, apparently he wanted to direct it, uh, but the producers and Frank Oz came along and said, no. You don't have enough experience directing movies. Let's let a real director do it. And let's let you focus on the puppets. And I guess the whole movie really is supposed to be an analogy of Jim Henson's life and success and him finding fame and fortune. So really the movie's about him, but it's his story, but he did not write or direct it. I, again, really surprised by that. Yeah, me too. Me too. But he goes on to become a fucking director mm-hmm. and he gave us the Dark Crystal. So there you go. Uh, normally this is where we would talk about the cast, but the casts are a bunch of fucking Muppets. So I'll just go ahead and ask you this. Who is your favorite fucking Muppet and why? Professor. Well, I got to go with Kermit. Absolutely. Why? He, he, he just represents, uh, such a, a strong, uh, integrity to himself. And I really appreciate the expression that we get, the range of emotions that we get to see during just through the puppet that, you know, it, it's funny watching him after a period of time and you're thinking to yourself, that's actually a puppet with a hand inside of it. But you don't think that at all when you're watching him as he emotes, whatever it is that he's doing on screen. Yeah. Solid choice. Solid choice. Fucking Kermit. My favorite was always animal growing up. I just loved his energy and the humor behind him. Yeah. Animal's a fun one. Absolutely. Uh, mine is Fozzie. Fozzie. I've always loved Fozzie the bear. What about Fozzie? Uh, he's just a fucking jokester, and he's always smiling and always sees the positive side, which is a lot of the times what I don't do. So <laughs> it's weird that I like Fozzie. If you had to pick a Muppet that you would identify with, that you could see you know, this being kind of your soulmate, which puppet would you pick? Uh, probably Fozzie. Fozzie? Yeah. You got one, Professor? No, but I've been told over the years a couple of different times people have a tendency to pick Beaker for me. I don't know why. Me, 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 do you me, have, me. Do you have Beaker rage? Me. I, I, I don't know, but it's it's funny. It's come up more than a couple times. That's funny. What, uh, what about you? I always thought I would identify with Gonzo. Not Waldo for Stadler? Are you saying I'm old and cranky? Yeah. The reason why I picked Gonzo is because I always remember being the guy growing up who would come up with ideas, and I'd throw out my ideas, and people were like, you realize you just said that out loud. And I just get those looks. Which is funny, because I thought you too were Gonzo, but I thought it for a different reason. The nose? No, Gonzo's a style of porn. <laughs> oh. That I did not know. Listeners, look it up. Um, so, yeah. Let's talk about some cameos. What would you guys think of all the cameos throughout this movie? All 17 of them? 
There was a lot of cameos. As a matter of fact, I kind of feel like that's what sort of carried the movie. It, kind of. In a way, it does. Waiting to see who shows up next. Yeah, and back in 79, they had some of the biggest names in Hollywood at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Hope. Milton Berle. Telly Savalas. Edgar Bergen. Mel Brooks. James Coburn. Steve Martin. Elliot Gould. And Unicron himself. Orson Welles. Uh, did you guys have a favorite cameo? No, because they're so quick. How could... Uh, you know what? I take that back. You know what my favorite cameo was? What? Bob Hope. Bob Hope with the ice cream. Did you catch Thanks for Memories playing in ice cream music? Behind yes, him? I did. Yes, this time around, I did. Yeah. I really liked Dom DeLuise in the beginning. I just thought he was just the fun, the way he came in. the way Bob he the entered. agent. Yeah. Handsome the guard. Yeah. He was chased one. by the alligator. What about you there, sir? Carol Kane. Oh. Classic. Myth. Myth. Uh, I guess Edgar Bergen, the movie is dedicated to him. Oh, yeah? Uh, because he died, you know, he filmed a scene and then died a year before the movie came out. So That's they decided true. to dedicate it to him because he was the one who really, you know, with him doing his, you know, Charlie uh, Ventriloquist stuff, uh, he really inspired Jim Henson a lot. Oh, yeah? So it was one of his just idols that he was able to bring into the movie. Cool. Cool. Uh, I guess there was a running gag with Harry Kissinger, too. He was supposed to be in the movie yeah. and all this kind of good stuff. And got cut out. Yeah. So, of course, we have to talk about the music. You know, going back and watching it last night, uh, I forgot how catchy a lot of these fucking songs were. I found myself tapping my foot and smiling, you know. And uh, not that the movies we've been watching previously haven't brought a smile to my face but this one i found myself smiling mostly throughout the whole thing and i don't know if it's nostalgia or if it's the tune or all of the above but yeah i just had a lot of fun with it yeah paul williams was one of the writers who wrote most of the songs wrote rainbow connection and i remember seeing him from his thousands of times on love boat i remember he was uh the i think the orangutan talking orangutan in planet of the apes uh, but you said like, he's been in a bunch of things. What else? You said he was in another movie? Smokey and the Bandit. I never realized that he wrote the music for this. You haven't seen Smokey and the Bandit, have you? I've seen it once. It's East, been a long time ago. We should do that. East, bound and down. Loaded up and trucking. We're going to do what they say can't be done. We've got a long way to go. And a short time to get there. We're eastbound down. Watch old bandit run. So yeah, dude. Probably a dumb question. Do you guys have a favorite song? I think uh, there's two: uh, Rainbow Connection, obviously, and then Moving Right Along. Mm-hmm. Even as a kid, those two are standout. Yeah, even as a kid, Moving Right Along was probably my favorite, and to this day, probably still is. What about you? Rainbow Connection is obviously is the big one for me. I do love the banjo in the beginning. Although I do like the song that Gonzo sang, I'm Going to Go Back There Someday, which I guess was Jim Henson's favorite song as well from the movie. So much so that the original performer, Dave uh, Goles, who did Gonzo, he sang it at Jim Henson's funeral. Oh, right on. So, But uh, the thing I just, you know, this is what I don't get about Academy Awards. And we'll talk about, you know, what awards it was nominated for and everything. But it was nominated for Best Original Song and didn't win. Uh, I think that year it was All That Jazz that won. And this is what I don't get. A song like Rainbow Connection, everybody's heard that song. Everybody knows that song. You can hum it and people will just start singing that song. It has lasted for, you know, 
decades. Whereas all that jazz, people forget those kind of tunes. You don't remember those tunes. This is why I feel like Rainbow Connection should have won easy. The Muppet Movie soundtrack did go on to win a Grammy, though, for Best Children's Album. Uh, I had the Muppet Movie soundtrack as a kid. You know, so did Julie. I was talking to her, and that was one of her favorite albums growing up. She listened to it all the time. My other favorite album was the Saturday Night Fever cover, but with Ernie, Bert, and Big Bird in the middle. And I forget who was John Travolta, um, but it was... It was the Saturday Night Fever album cover, but with Sesame Street and Sesame Street songs to the tunes of the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Do you know what my favorite albums were growing up? What's that? One of them was uh, the Donald Duck song, uh, album where he sang songs like Macho Macho Duck and things like that. The other one was Weird Al Yankovic, one of his originals. Oh, <laughs> I can see that. Any favorite childhood records other than REO Speedwagon? Yellow out of the blue. Yellow. Mm-hmm. Solid choice. So did you read why the cinematographer for this movie said it was his favorite movie ever to work on? No, I failed to read that. The cinematographer for the Muppa movie said he enjoyed working on this movie because no one ever complained about lights in his eyes or how long they had to stand or stuck, you know, in one place. So he said the puppeteers were really nice guys, and when he asked Kermit to do something, it was Kermit that answered him, not Jim Henson. So he, you know, he talked about how much he enjoyed it. Just the opposite, the director hated apparently working on this movie because he did not get along with the Muppets. I'm like, who doesn't get along with Muppets? A pretentious Hollywood director, right? Apparently, he wanted to talk to the actors working the puppets, and the puppeteers get so involved that, no, you will talk to the puppet, not the actor. (sighs) Is it trivia time? Why, yes, Don, it is trivia time. In our continuing pursuit to crown the master of movie trivia, I've prepared a series of questions related to the movie we are reviewing this episode, The Muppet Movie. Please wait until I finish each question before answering. That goes to you, Don. In the swamp scene, what was the name of Kermit's alligator friend? Arnold. Arnold. Arnie, but you both were close. What instrument was Kermit playing in the swamp? The banjo. Very good. What is the name of the cafe where Kermit meets Fozzie? El El Slizo. Very good. When Kermit arrives at the El Slizo cafe, a man is thrown through the building. Who portrays this man... Whom we discover is the owner. James Colburn. James Colburn. James Colburn. You're just going to keep answering after him? Is that what you're doing? Uh, I'm pretty sure we've been answering at the same time, fucker. Uh, not that last one. Okay, but that was the only one. Mm-hmm. What was the brand of Fozzie's car? Studebaker. Very good. 1951. What was Gonzo's occupation in the movie? He was, he, he, he was a he, chicken, hand, no, chicken wrangler? No, he was a plumber. He was a plumber. A plumber. What was the name of Gonzo's plumbing company? Gonzo the Great. The Great Gonzo. The Great Gonzo's Plumber. But very good. Great Gonzo's Plumbing. I knew it was Great Gonzo. His title, he's, he's always the Great Gonzo. Yeah, and yeah. his title on the truck was Prince of the Plunger. Who was the runner-up to Miss Piggy in the beauty pageant? Some white girl. <laughs> Some white girl. I'll give that to you. Was Debbie Sue. 
Which Sesame Street character has a cameo in the moving right along sequence? Big Bird. And who is this movie dedicated to? I don't know. All the boys and girls. We talked about it in the beginning. When Doesn't mean I remember. That's how interesting it was. To all the women Kermit's I, love before? Nice. <laughs> Edgar Bergen. Oh, okay. There you go. So with that, I believe, Ken, uh, you won that round, so we're back at a tie. Congratulations, boys. Yay. Yay. The story opens with the Muppets sitting down at a private screening to watch a movie for not only a screen testing, but as a story of how they all met. Kermit the Frog lives a simple life in a Florida swamp. After he plays his banjo and sings Rainbow Connection, he is approached by Bernie, a talent agent who encourages Kermit to pursue a career in show business. Inspired by the idea of making millions of people happy, Kermit sets off on a cross-country trip to Hollywood. Kermit meets Fozzie the Bear, who is working as a hapless stand-up comedian, and Kermit invites Fozzie on his journey. The two set out in Fozzie's 1951 Studebaker, but are soon pursued by an entrepreneur, Doc Hopper, and his assistant, Max, in an attempt by Hopper to convince Kermit to be the new spokesfrog of Harper's struggling French-fried frog legs restaurant franchise. Horrified, Kermit refuses and he and Fozzie drive away. Unwilling to accept Kermit's refusal, Hopper resorts to increasingly forceful means of persuasion. In an old church, Kermit and Fozzie meet the rock band Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem, and the band's manager Scooter, who helps them disguise their car. Driving on, they meet and are joined by Gonzo and his girlfriend Camilla the Chicken, who are also interested in becoming movie stars. They trade in their failing vehicle at a used car lot where they meet Sweetums. They invite Sweetums to come with them, but he runs away. The others drive away, only for Sweetums to emerge and reveal that he had only gone to pack his things. So this movie opens with a big globe, and we are at a Hollywood studio. Did you catch that there was uh, one a uh, full costume Muppet in that opening walking along in the studio. No, I didn't see it. Yeah, I guess his name is Dog Lion. I'd never heard of him. But if you look closely, there is one in the group of people walking. Yeah. No, didn't see it. Uh, and then we cut to the movie theater, and it turns out we are going to watch a screening of the Muppet movie. And we get all the players, Kermit, Fozzie, Piggy, uh, all of them, right? And so what we are about to witness is a movie within a movie. The interesting thing is at the time, and I, I have heard this before, but I don't think it ever really uh, sunk in. This was the number one TV show on TV at the time, and it was in its third season. So the Muppet Show was the most popular show. I, I Looking back then, I think I remember everybody watched the Muppet Show. I fucking watched it. And they filmed this movie uh, on a break between uh, the first half of the third season and the second half of the third season. Yeah. So the screening starts, and we are now into the swamp, and this is where we see Kermit and the Rainbow Connection. Did the swamp look familiar at all? No, it looked like a swamp. It was actually filmed in the same, I guess, tank that they used for Gilligan's Island. Oh, interesting. 
Interesting. Uh, Jim Henson had to basically for him to do the puppetry of Kermit the Frog, he had to stay in a submerged like little tank uh, canister thing for over eight hours. He spent wow. down in this tank thing. Yeah. Well, it looks like Kermit's playing the banjo. That's for sure. That was the only part, I guess, in there that was mechanical. Uh, was the his little fingers moving on the banjo? Uh, and then we get the first cameo, Dom DeLuise, mm-hmm. uh, coming in to be the agent. Uh, what'd you guys think of this whole setup? Well, first of all, doesn't he sings the song first off, "Rainbow Connection," which is obviously the big song from this movie? Uh, what did you think of that whole introduction to this? start of the movie that we start right into a song i watched the uh the slow pull-in and i didn't remember where kermit was when we are pulling in on him and i thought that it was a, a really nice uh intro to get right up to him and we could see him just sitting there and it adds a little bit of wonder and it makes Kermit feel just a little bit more real to have him sitting on the log as we pull in on him, and then we gradually see him from different angles. So I, I thought it was a, a wonderful uh, moment where the illusion that Kermit is real is shown to us, the audience. And the song is so iconic. I think it's one of those songs that, depending on where I hear it and when I hear it, it will bring a tear to my eye, you know. I don't know why. It's just one of those songs. Another thing that's special about this scene is it's not very often. In fact, this, Tim Henson's one of the first people to really push it in that normally when you see Muppets or you see puppets, you only see the top half of them. We're starting out by seeing Kermit's full body, his legs, everything on the stump. And that was something that Jim Henson really pushed for. He wanted that realism because he wanted people to be drawn in to feel like at some point in the movie, and I feel like it worked for me. uh, And I think, Professor, you kind of said it earlier, you kind of forget that someone's in there working that that puppet, working that puppet, that this is a character you're watching in a movie. The puppetry is spot on. It's masterful. So uh, Kermit meets the agent. The agent says, hey, go to Hollywood. They're looking for frogs. And Kermit's really likes the idea of making millions of people happy, which kind of goes to show is like you were saying, professor Kermit's just kind of a down to earth guy and just wants to do the right thing. And so he takes off and he rides into town on a bike and it blows the entire audience away. How did they do that? How did they do that? I think realistically the logistics of it were basically straightforward you have the you have the the wheels that spin the the cogs and they're connected to the legs and the legs move because the cogs are moving because the wheels are moving all you have to do is keep the bicycle upright yeah part of it also was they worked it kind of like a marionette they had the strings that you really couldn't see up above and that was helping move the legs along and everything pedaling. But yeah, you're right. The The feet were connected to the pedals. So as long as the wheels moved, it looked like he was pedaling. Yeah. Yeah. I bought it. Mm-hmm. And lo- logistically speaking, it was something that everybody fawns over. And and the uh, the crew feels like that was just one scene. We had hundreds of things we had to conquer. Yeah. And then we get our first little glimpse of Doc Hopper on a billboard. Right away, you know, this guy's up to no good. What'd you think of Charles Durning as the villain? He was cool. 
I he dug was, him. He was Colonel Sanders. He really was. That's who they were going for. Yeah, yeah. F- uh, French fried frog legs. Mm-hmm. And then we also get to meet his uh, driver, Max, mm-hmm. very oh so briefly. Let's talk about El Slizo. I love how uh, James Colburn comes flying through the window and turns out to be the owner of the establishment. I am the owner. Because this is the worst, most vile place. I should know. I'm the owner. And you know it's going to be cameo-filled. Mm-hmm. So any uh, live-action character that they're going to interact with will more than likely be a top celebrity of 1979. Well, these were all celebrities who had, who had either appeared on The Muppet Show recently or were about to appear on The Muppet Show. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah In yeah. fact, I read that they had a whole slew of celebrities already lined up that they were going to put in this movie, and almost all of them had to cancel for whatever reasons. So they had to go out and find all new celebrities and rewrite the movie right close to filming to make it work, to make these celebrities work in the movie. And so at El Slizos, uh, we get our first glimpse of, well, actually not our first glimpse, and at El Slizos, we get Fozzie. Yeah, we also get... uh, cameos from uh williams the writer music writer paul williams he's on the piano and i didn't see it this time i meant to look for it i guess frank oz played one of the bikers oh i heard that as well yeah we also had madeline khan and telly savalas yes mm-hmm. yes and it was was madeline khan just channeling the same character from blazing saddles i i think she was the same character from blazing saddles mm-hmm. same accent anyway mm-hmm. yeah and then so uh Fozzie's on stage. He bombs because, well, I think he's funny, but everybody else doesn't think he's funny. And then he hooks up with Kermit. Well, Kermit comes up to save him, and they do a dance together. And they impress everybody, and they decide to leave. Uh, This is where Max brings Doc Hopper to the window, and then he makes him the offer of, what, $150? No, $500. $500. A year. A year. Which in today's money is like $2,000. A year. Kermit and Fozzie get into the Studebaker, and they are on their way to Hollywood. Did you read about how they filmed the whole Studebaker scenes? Was it a mini car? Originally, they have the car remote controlled, uh, and there was a little person that would be in the trunk with some video monitors, and he would use those video monitors to control the car as it was driving along. Uh, The first time that they tried it out, all the video monitors went dead while he was driving the car, so they had to use uh, the intercom to tell him how to, you know, when to turn, what to do, because he couldn't see anything. Wow. Yeah. And I guess the puppeteers were on the floor. They had to build the car in such a way the puppeteers were on the floor working the puppets from below. Awesome. So we get our first montage, which is the moving right along montage. Right. And in here we get that little cameo from Big Bird. What'd you guys think of that? Seeing Big Bird? Yeah. No, that was fun. It was cute, right? Yeah. It's one of those things. I love how he, basically, they invite him to come along. He's like, no, I'm hoping to go to New York and be part <laughs> of P- PBS. Yeah, I'm going to get on public access. <laughs> like, Good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. And so they are, uh, as they're driving along, they are pursued by Hopper and Max. Actually, they see a billboard with Kermit's face on it. And so they stop, and then all of a sudden, there's Doc Hopper. He steps out from behind the billboard. And then they leave? And I thought at that scene, you know, how did Hopper get ahead of them? But then I remembered 
during our montage, apparently they drove all over the country trying to get where they were going. So apparently it took them forever to get to that billboard. Well, they did end up in Saskatchewan. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'm fu- I'm, I think it's funny that you thought that in a Muppet movie. Um, and so Fozzie and Kermit go to a church, and this is where they meet Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem and their manager, Scooter. That's right, and Scooter. I, and I got to say, I love this song. I thought this song was catchy and fun, and the band members were so... They look so kid friendly, but you could tell, um, you could tell the personality of each band person very much so, and is very much directed towards adults. Did you have a a favorite band member? I think uh, who the is Joe the sax player? Floyd. Floyd. I think Floyd's my favorite. Floyd, the guy who's just kind of out of it, falls asleep a lot. You, you mean the stoner? I wasn't yeah, gonna yeah, absolutely. Call him out on it. Why? Don't shame him. I didn't see him actually smoking anything. You don't have to, but that's that's the point that Jim Henson and them were making. What about you? Do you have a favorite band member? I liked all of them. I I I love Animal. I, I love the guitarist, uh, the bass guitarist, and and the the blonde gal, the guitarist. I liked all of them. Yeah, they're so fun. Mm-hmm. They're a lot of fun. And after their song, uh, Kermit and Fozzie are like, come on, we're going with us to Hollywood. And they're like, no, dudes, we got our own thing to do. So they're going to disguise the car. So we, But can, we can help them. Can you picture that? Can you picture that? Great song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, Fozzie and Kermit leave. and They just happen to pull out right in front of Doc Hopper. And I love how Hopper says... Uh, Holler if you see a Studebaker being driven by a bear and a frog. And uh, Max is like, no, but I see a painted Studebaker being driven by a frog and a bear. Uh, the the jokes in this. I oh, mean, my gosh. So many corny dad jokes. I was just going to say, this movie is the epitome of dad jokes. But my favorite running joke is Lost. Have you found? Have you tried Krishna? Yeah, have you tried Harry Krishna? That, yeah. that shows up in the bar, that shows up in the church, and doesn't it show up one other place? Uh, one of the... Um, one of the reader boards says it somewhere. Uh, the reader board at the church says it, and then there's another guy. Yeah, the, I think it's at the fair when they meet Miss Piggy. Mm-hmm. I think one of them goes, lost? Have you tried Krishna? That's so good. That, the myth, myth, uh, that's a, another running gag. They were going to do the Harry, or, uh, Harry Kissinger running gag, uh, I don't know if there was any other ones that kept going on. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And so they uh, they get, they're pursued by Hopper and Max, and uh, they d- pull up in front of that billboard. And they lose them. Kind of cameos into the... Camouflaged instantly. Yep. Saw that coming. And uh, this is now where we meet Gonzo and... Gonzo the Great. Gon- Excuse me, all the hell. This is where we meet Gonzo the Great, his girlfriend Camilla, and they are driving into a head-on collision with Kermit and Fozzie. How did the truck end up on top? With no sound. It doesn't matter. It's a fucking Muppet movie. With no sound. Exactly. And then, you know, Gonzo comes down the window. Oh, that's great. You call that a miss? Because Gonzo's the Great. (laughs) Yeah. God, you sounded almost just like him there, bud. And so uh, they decide. Trade in. Their cars. Yeah. This bit kind of also reminds me of the Wizard of Oz. 
the whole, I'm going somewhere. Hey, why don't you come along and see what's there for you as well? I don't know. The gags, the color, the the simplicity. I don't know. It reminded me a lot of Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. And then at the car dealership, this is where we see Milton Burrow and his uh, his associate Sweetums. They call him, uh, what, the the toe? Oh, no, they call him remember. Jack. Because oh, he's yeah, that's right. the cars. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was cute. You know, he picks up the whole fucking car and moves it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, how'd they do that? Oh, they just built the shell. Duh. So. And then he smacks the bug on the windshield, $11.95. Uh, less the $12 trade-in you fee. You nickel. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. You're fucking gonzo. I love that. And then so they get back on the road, and they are moving right along. The group meets Miss Piggy at a country fair, and she and Kermit immediately become love-stricken with each other. When Kermit and Miss Piggy meet for dinner that night, Hopper and Max sneak up on Miss Piggy and abduct her as bait to lure Kermit. When Kermit arrives at the designated location, mad scientist Professor Krausman tries to brainwash Kermit into performing in Hopper's advertisements. But Miss Piggy furiously knocks out Hopper's henchmen and causes Krausman to be brainwashed by his own device. However, immediately after the fight and saving Kermit, Miss Piggy receives a job offer and promptly abandons a devastated Kermit. Joined by Ralph the dog and reunited with Miss Piggy along the way, the Muppets continue their journey to Hollywood. But their car breaks down in the desert. Sitting at a campfire, the group sadly realizes that they will likely miss the audition the next day. Kermit wanders off, ashamed for bringing his friends on a fruitless journey, but some personal reflection restores his commitment. He returns to camp where he discovers the electric mayhem have come to their rescue. Having learned of their plight by reading ahead in the film script, the mayhem offered to drive the entire group the rest of the way in their bus. So what did you think of our introduction to Miss Piggy winning the state fair? You know, I... I'll just be honest with everybody here. I was never really a big Miss Piggy fan. I thought she was whiny. I thought she was needy. And I thought she was a pain in the ass. That being said, watching it last night, I absolutely adore Miss Piggy. I don't know what turned or what happened, but I thought she was funny. And I think her and Kermit's chemistry is, it's contagious. I think she's a sweet character. I never really uh, fawned over her. She was always okay. And the fact that she is such a diva is something that uh, I never really got behind. And, you know, go piggy, go. Never, never liked that. She's still a likable character. And it's fun that her and Kermit have chemistry together. But in general, you know, I realize she's one of the central characters, right? Right behind Kermit is Miss Piggy. Sure, sure. What about you? I'll agree with both of you. I was never really a huge Miss Piggy fan. I felt that she's usually pretty annoying, but maybe that's back when, you know, I wasn't big into girls at the time when I was seven years old. So having, you know, her always pursuing Kermit, I thought was kind of annoying. Uh, But I did like how they kind of wrote into this movie the reason, if you ever watched the show or a fan of the show, you notice that Piggy was always 
hitting on Kermit and Kermit was kind of putting her off and not paying much attention to her. Well, it kind of explains it because she broke his heart in this movie. And so he was basically not ready yet to fully forgive her. So I love how they kind of incorporated that into this movie. The other thing that I guess I had never noticed before, but Julie said was always there is I never realized they had sewn cleavage into the Miss Piggy costume or into the piggy puppet. Did you ever notice that? I didn't notice it until I watched it this last time, and it makes sense that it's there. Yeah, I just thought that was kind of a strange look, but maybe I shouldn't have been looking there. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't have. I also kept thinking, too, of you're at a country fair going for, you know, know, Miss whatever that town was. Uh, It was Bogan County. And you lose to a pig. I don't know how I'd feel about that. This is also where we get uh, the cameo from Edgar Bergen as well, as one of the judges. Yeah, the county fair, he's in a tux. Yeah. yeah. What's, and what's we, up with that? Well, he was always in a tux with his act, so. And we um, we also get Richard Pryor, his balloon salesman. He convinces Gonzo to buy all of the balloons for Camilla. Mm-hmm. And, of course, naturally, the balloons will take Gonzo away. We also have Bob Hope, the ice cream salesman. And I like this bit because uh, Fozzie goes to get the ice cream and he gets one for himself and his good buddy, Kermit. And during this, and while this is going on, Kermit tells Piggy, you know what? It was awesome meeting you. You're really lovely. Nice cleavage. But I got to go meet my buddies for ice cream. Oh, hey, do you want to go? Do you want to join us? And I immediately love the fact that Piggy's like, yes, I'm going to come to Hollywood with you. When that's not what the fuck Kermit was talking about. (laughs) So cute writing there. Did you catch uh, that as the scene cut different times, uh, the color of the ice cream, of Kermit's ice cream changed colors? It got darker. It became gray at one point, green at another, light green at one point. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? It's a Muppet movie. So when Kermit and Piggy, they first lock eyes and then... And then we have the never before song and we have the, the montage that's happening and we have all these different little romantic venues that the two are on. And there's this one where Piggy, Miss Piggy, she's in the boat and Kermit, he's swimming and Kermit, he's clearly swimming nude. Yeah. I, I noticed that, that. I thought this was a G movie. And, and I love how he's frolicking. And then I thought to myself, wait, is that motherfucker drowning? I thought for sure. Kermit was drowning. Well, I was thinking the same, too. He's a frog. Isn't he a better swimmer than that? You would think. You would definitely think. I just liked how when they were dressed up like they were from like a cover of a romance novel. Yeah. Yeah. And so they leave, and uh, they decide to have dinner. Can I mention one other little thing during that montage? Oh, sure. When they go down, Miss Piggy, she she... So they they fall to the ground, and then Miss Piggy, she's on top, and then she goes down, like, for a smooch. And then we see Kermit is now on top. What's happening after that? What do you think, Ken? Exactly. This is a G movie. First, we have the nude swimming, and now we have these two fornicating. Hey, man, why why fight it? Just love it. Just love love. How about that? I was open to everything when I got the whole connection of Gonzo and the chicken. I was just very open-minded after that. And so Kermit and Piggy decide to have dinner at this restaurant, and uh, this is where we get Steve Martin's waiter. What do you think of Steve Martin's rude waiter thing? Oh, I thought it was funny. He couldn't He couldn't be bothered to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may go. 
He's just very sarcastic. Thank you. And there was a dollar ninety-five bottle of champagne, or is that, or wasn't it ninety-five cents? Ninety-seven Nin- cents. Ninety-seven cents, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And so Piggy gets a phone call, and she excuses herself, and time passes, and more time passes, and more, more time, time passes. passes. And Kermit thinks he's been abandoned. And then we meet Ralph the dog playing the. Playing the piano. He's another character I think I always have liked is Ralph the dog because he was so down to earth. Yeah, and he plays the fucking piano, right? Mm-hmm. And he sings, I hope something better comes along. Which I thought was such a funny song. They're basically saying, okay, you can leave. Fuck off. I hope something better comes along. I mean, that's literally what they're singing. I thought mm-hmm. that was hilarious. That's yep. that's like one of my favorite songs of the soundtrack. Hey, you come at the frog. You got a phone call. And now Kermit gets a call. And it turns out that Hopper has kidnapped Miss Piggy and is blackmailing Kermit into being the spokesman for Hopper Froglegs. Ask him to come outside. That's right. And then there's all those shotguns on him. And then uh, they are captured and taken to a basement where we meet... Mel Brooks's character, Professor Crossman. Max Crossman. Max Crossman? Crossman? Something like that. Crossman. He's just an evil evil scientist. Crossman. Which is funny because he's playing a German scientist, and clearly Mel Brooks is Jewish. And I like this bit. (laughs) They're going to brainwash Kermit to do their bidding, and just the little snide remarks between uh, Crossman and Hopper. You know, like, oh, he won't remember, or just those little digs. I just thought were so well, well played. I like the comment to Miss Piggy that he won't know you from kosher bacon. Yeah. Which, of course, there really isn't any kosher bacon. That would just be turkey. Uh, and I did like when they bring down the little uh, dome dome thing and put it on Kermit's head. Do you notice how it covered his eyes, too? Yeah. I always loved that. For some reason, just always made me giggle. Yeah, just go with it. Just go with it, they say. Miss Piggy fights back. She saves the day. Because Piggy is a badass. Well, I think she was, like, the whole reason why she even got kidnapped and everything is she wanted to be the damsel in distress, and she wanted Kermit to save her and be all romantic and everything. And when she finally figured out that one going to happen, she had to save his ass. And she does. And they escape. What did you think of that whole action sequence of her kicking everybody's ass? I thought it was a longer extended version of what we get on the TV show, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it, you knew it was coming and it was fun. When did you guys find out that Frank Oz, who does the voice of Miss Piggy also does Yoda? When Yoda was first, when came first in 1982. Did I you guess? know it back then? Yeah. I did not know it until I think a while, probably until like maybe Return of the Jedi or something like that. I didn't know it at first that that was the same person doing the same voice. Well, there you go. So I was kind of excited to find that out. And so Piggy takes off again. again. And then the film breaks. And, we get, and, they, and they get the, the, the bleeding of the, uh, the film on the big screen. That's right. It burns. This the, the apparently, burns. for projectionists who weren't warned, a lot of them thought that the film had actually broken. Uh, and so they had to send out some kind of warning, some kind of memo to let people know, no, that's part of the movie. Yeah. And so we're back in the theater and having a little conversations. Did you catch the uh, 
the foreshadowing during this film break? No. Uh, this is the point where one of the band members says, Animal's big scene is coming up. And then we cut back to the movie and Fozzie singing America. That's right. That's right. Because he's a patriotic bear or something like that. We cut to Hopper's men and they are taking target practice on a, a frog uh, cutout and they're miserable shots. And it turns out Hopper has brought in a specialist. This dude freaked me out when I was little. He looked he looks scary. He did. He still does. I was surprised. Snake Walker. With all of the famous cameos, and I looked for it this time, I'm surprised they didn't find somebody, like have Telly Savalas or someone else play this character. I was thinking the same. I was kind of thinking, oh, who is the fuck is this guy? Like Chuck Norris or somebody. Oh, there you go. This Look guy, I had no idea who this guy was. Oh, Chuck Norris would have been a great pick. You know he's been on the Muppets. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it was curious to have so many cameos and then to have this fellow have this fellow show up and he's not a he, he's not you know a, a celeb guy type of thing right he kills frogs with a giant fork and then we find miss piggy on the roadside again and and they pick her up again would you pick her up i would have kept driving i would have picked her up i would have picked her up too you're just a dick well she was kind of a a bitch a what a bitch. Oh, okay. Well, you your the voice got re- broke. Your, your voice got real low there, like you didn't want to say it. But uh, she kind of broke Kermit's heart there a bit, and I, then she's all like, "Kermie." Well, I mean, you look into those big eyes, and come on, no, no. Bullshit. I would have been right there with Kermit. No. I would made her work for it. Nah, I don't think you would have. I think you would have just bent right over for Miss Piggy. So their car breaks down. And they're coming to the sad conclusion that they're probably going to miss their audition tomorrow. Oh. But you notice nobody is really complaining about it. The only one who really feels horrible about it is Kermit himself because he's dragged all those people along with him. Yeah, and that makes sense because that's in Kermit's character. Mm-hmm. you know. And but Gonzo sings his little song. Kermit has a little bit of self-reflection with himself. What does that mean? I'm guessing that he tried the mushrooms out in the desert and went for a spirit walk. Do you think the mushrooms would affect Kermit? I think so. Okay. Maybe he licked his own back. Oh, there you go. We hear music happening back at the camp. A little more a little zestier than before. And it turns out that Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem have come to the rescue. And is this kind of an example of what you're talking about with breaking the fourth wall that they had read ahead in the script? And that's how they knew that they needed help? No, breaking the fourth wall is when you talk to the audience. Okay, when you talk or look at the audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you acknowledge that they exist. Mm-hmm. How about that? Uh, reading the script ahead reminds me, uh, I'm wondering if Mel Brooks took that and applied that to Spaceballs. Oh, uh, when, sure. When, you know, uh, and I thought that was funny. Uh, Kermit didn't want to explain how they got to the church so he had Dr. Teeth read the script, but Dr. Teeth read the script from the beginning. So in essence, we had to go through that whole adventure again anyway until they got to the part where they were currently at and we didn't get to know anything else because reasons. So (laughs) Dr. Teeth shows up, he read the script, he cheated, but good thing he did because now they can go to Hollywood. Now they can be saved. Okay, and so they decided to get on the road again. 
Moving right along. The group is warned by Reformed Max that Hopper has hired an assassin, Snake Walker, to kill Kermit. Kermit decides to face his aggressor and propose a Western-style showdown in a nearby ghost town. There, they find inventor Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and his assistant Beaker. Kermit confronts Hopper with an appeal to Hopper's own hopes and dreams, but Hopper is unmoved and orders his henchmen to kill Kermit and his friends. They are saved when one of Dr. Honeydew's inventions... Instagrow pills temporarily enlarges mayhem drummer Animal, who frightens away Hopper and his henchmen for good, Max cheering for the Muppets before he leaves. Once the Muppets reach the Hollywood studio, they finally meet Lou Lord, who signs the Muppets to a standard rich and famous contract. The first take in their attempt to perform the script goes awry when Gonzo crashes into a prop rainbow and an explosion blows a hole in the roof of the studio. However, a real rainbow shines through the hole and onto the Muppets. The Muppets all sing together. Sweetums tears through the movie screen in the theater, ending the film and catching up with the rest of the crew as they congratulate each other on their performances. Roll credits. So the group are on the bus and they get pulled over and... It turns out that Max is the cop, and he is trying to warn Kermit, saying, Hopper's lost his mind, he's hired this assassin, they're coming out to get you, you gotta run. And Kermit's like, no, I'm not gonna fucking run. He's ready to face his bully. I'm gonna fucking kill this motherfucker. Oh, no, he doesn't say that, does he? Not so much. You're right, he's getting ready to face his bully. And so we have to have a obligatory showdown, uh, Western style, what did you guys think of Kermit trying to appeal to Hopper's humanity? I bought it because that's Kermit all the way. He only sees the good in people. Jim Henson originally wanted the ending to be a redeemed Doc Hopper. He wanted him to actually see the error of his ways and become one of the good guys. And Frank Oz basically told him, hell no. That's not what we're going to do. It's not how you're going to end a movie. We need him to stay the evil guy. And I think they made the right choice. So you liked it? I liked it. I liked the okay. way they had it. All right. It just would have been a down note or whatever. It just felt like a, a letdown, I think, to have all of a sudden him just change his mind. What about you, Don? Um, I thought it was in Kermit's character. And immediately I'm thinking, fuck, no, he's not going to do it because the villain never does. And so shit's about to go down. And then the Muppets come to have. Well, I also thought in Kermit's whole thing, it was kind of a low blow to tell Hopper, you have no friends. That's kind of a mean one. It's not not true. I like how when Hopper says, well, Max is my friend. He's like, no, no, not really. Yeah, well. And so the Muppets come and have Kermit's back and shit's about to get real. And then here comes Animal's big scene. What'd you guys think of this? Funny. Very funny. Did you read about the filming of this scene? No, I did I not. I think this is one of the things that cost them a lot of money because originally it was proposed to do it with miniatures. And Jim Henson said, no, we're going to make a giant 
animal puppet. And so that was actually a life-size giant animal puppet crashing through the roof. And so uh, all the bad guys run away. The gang is saved. And now it's on to Hollywood. So the Muppets get there, and it turns out that Orson Welles is the bigwig. Well, they have to get past Cloris Leachman, who I love how they wrote in her weakness is that she's allergic to animals. And so they come in and start getting their dander everywhere. And they have a fan behind them blowing all the stuff at her to the point where she finally gives up. That's right. There's a will, there's a way. And so they get into the big guy's office. Lou Lord. I mean, that just sounds like a Hollywood executive. Well, do you know that that is based off of a real person? Was his name Lou Lord? Uh, it was Lou something or other. I can't remember who it is, uh, but there was a picture on the desk of the actual Lou, and that is the person who gave Jim Henson his first Muppet contract. Oh, there you go. So that was in honor of that person who gave Jim Henson his big break. Sure. Yeah. And they brought in Orson Welles for just one line. Prepare the standard rich and famous contract. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that thing really exists. And so they make it, and they start to... We are on to our finale, where they sing the magic score. And, and we watch the assembly of their production coming together with all of the bits and pieces of their journey that we've had throughout the arc of this movie. Right. And so they do their final number, and the rainbow comes in on them, and... Gonzo hits the rainbow and it leads to a domino effect of a catastrophic failure of all of the props. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the an actual hole gets blows a hole in the ceiling. And then a real rainbow comes in. Which I thought was a kind of an interesting idea of you know, they talked in the beginning, the rainbow connection, all that, and what lies at the end of the rainbow and everything. And what lies is them. Is They found their purpose. They found their place. That's what's at the end of the rainbow. Yeah, a nice little message there. Did you catch that when they had that final sing-along, the rainbow connection with all the puppets? That was all the puppets that Jim Henson Studio had ever made. 250 puppets they brought them all in and they actually hired or got volunteers from puppeteers of america to come in and help them work over 250 puppets see i was wondering about that because that's a lot of people animating a bunch of puppets that Mm -hmm. took a lot of manpower yeah but if i guess at the time if jim henson asks you to come do something you do it and then naturally sweetums runs through the screen catching up and everybody laughs and that's the Muppet movie. And the credits start to roll, and we see all of the characters chatting with each other and having a wonderfully good time. Did you catch some of the banter in the background, like what Fozzie was saying? No. Uh, apparently, in other versions out there, the chatter is much louder. And what Fozzie kept saying, he kept asking everybody, was I funny? Was I funny in the movie? Was I funny? I- I'm going to die if I wasn't funny. And that's when Kermit comes up and says, you were very funny in the movie. Yeah. Do you guys think that if uh, Frodo had a Studebaker, the journey would have been a lot shorter? Oh, fuck. And now it's time for John's... Moment. This is the point in our podcast where I compare whatever movie we're currently reviewing to the greatest movie series ever made, Lord of the Rings. Now, first off, Let's all admit that we would love to see an all-Muppets version 
of Lord of the Rings. Just picture it. Frodo would be played by Kermit. It's his journey from the swamp to fame and fortune with the goal of making millions happy. Along the way, like Frodo, Kermit experiences his own set of challenges that helps him refine who he is to become. Kermit could also easily play Aragorn as as he is a natural-born leader for this troop of Muppet followers. Fozzie Bear, he would be cast as Samwise. He's Kermit's best pal who helps encourage him along his journey and keeps things moving right along. Gonzo would play Pippin. Both are known for their eccentric and somewhat oddball behavior compared to their peers. They both find themselves in unusual circumstances, often due to their own curiosity and love for adventure. And in the end, both serve as a source of comic relief. My casting for Gandalf would be Dr. Teeth because of the advice and the direction he lends to Kermit and the others. And like Gandalf, Dr. Teeth works magic to save the fellowship twice. First, when he helps decorate the car, and again, when he shows up later, like Gandalf the White did, to help the group when all seems lost. That would make our fellowship Kermit, Fozzie, Gonzo, and Dr. Teeth. Now, who would Miss Piggy play? Arwen or Erwin? Both are strong and brave female characters. Now, you might think Arwen is Miss Piggy as she is the love interest of Aragorn. But really, after the incident where Miss Piggy runs off to do the commercial, her love is no longer reciprocated by Kermit, which is also a running gag throughout the TV series, making Miss Piggy more of an Eowyn than an Arwen because just like Eowyn was in love with Aragorn, her love wasn't always reciprocated by him. Sauron the White, I cast Max. He serves Doc Hopper, thinking what he is doing is for the greater good. The, the greater, greater good. So who would be cast as our Dark Lord Sauron? In the Muppet movie, that would be Doc Hopper. He's the Dark Lord who pursues our would-be hero throughout the movie, trying to end his journey for his own selfish purposes. So what is our precious? What is the One Ring? In the Muppet movie, the best analogy or comparison to the One Ring is fame and fortune. Kermit seeks it so he can use it for good to make millions of folks happy. Doc Hopper seeks it for his own selfish greed. Miss Piggy chooses fame and fortune over love, but regrets it later. And each member of Kermit's following joins the journey because of the draw of fame and fortune. In the end, Kermit is able to prevail using his new fame and fortune for his original goal of making people happy. And there you have it, my comparison of the Muppet movie to Lord of the Rings. Bring on the grades. What'd you got there, guy? I was kind of thinking that maybe, just maybe, Gonzo could have been a bit more gimly than, yeah. than Pippin. Yeah, I can see that. And then um, I kind of saw Max as Wormtail. Wormtongue? What's his name? Wormtongue. Wormtongue. You know, he's kind of doing shitty work, but he really doesn't want to, maybe. I don't know. And the only reason I say that is because, remember when uh, 
Christopher Lee's character uh, shows Warm Tongue the army for the first time. And he, and he, and you have the tear. He has the tear because he knows what's about to fucking come. I think that kind of makes him a little bit more human. But then again, to be honest, I haven't seen those movies in quite some time. So what is my grades? Oh, I guess we still have to do that, don't we? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you a B. I'm going to give you a B minus. Okay. There you go. And that was John's. Moment. All right. What do you guys think? You guys ready to rate this flick? I'm ready to rate this flick. John? Are you ready to rate this flick? You don't have to stick your hand up my ass to get my mouth moving, <laughs> but you could. I think that is the winner of all time. Professor, how do we do our ratings? We do our ratings on a scale of one to five fucks. Five fucks is a movie that we think is cinematic gold. And what's a zero? A zero fuck movie is a movie you get done watching it and you're like, oh, for shit's sake, what the hell was this? Or in other words, we just don't give a fuck. Um, all right. Your movie. My movie, I go first. Your movie, you go first. But before I do, you, you were on such a good streak for a while and you failed last week. Do you want to try to grasp the rating this week? 4.75 fucks. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. Okay. I can already tell I got it wrong by his. Okay, four point seven five is what you give it. Yeah, no, that's what he's. That's what he's gonna give. No, it. no, I, I, okay, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. The Muppet Movie is a fun and nostalgic adventure that's all about following your dreams, no matter how crazy they may seem. Kermit and his pals teach us that it's okay to be a little weird and to never give up, even when the odds are stacked against you. The movie's message about staying true to yourself. And believing in your aspirations is relevant today as much as it was in 1979. Looking back, the puppetry and the special effects might seem a bit dated. But that's all part of the charm. The cameos from so many big-name stars is something rarely seen in today's cinema. And the music. These songs are so enduring that many have achieved iconic status. Rainbow Connection is ageless, and still warms even the coldest hearts. And yeah, I'm looking at you, Don. The Muppet movie might not be highbrow entertainment, but it's high on laughs and heart. The seven-year-old me, when it first came out, would have likely given the movie five out of five fucks. But the mostly adult version of me has to admit the movie isn't perfect. It's a solid movie and an unadulterated Muppet Mayhem. So with that, I'm giving the Muppet movie four fucks. Four fucks from the comic book guy. Wow, I really overshot that, didn't I? You or me, guy? Uh, I'll go. All right, buddy. But uh, I just wanted to let you know that your batting average has dropped to 742. <sighs> it's all right. I'll, I'll get back on track. I mean, the Muppets is hard, right? I, I way overshot that. and You were just excited. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. The Muppet movie is a movie that has been a really long time since I've seen it. It was surprising for me how quickly I found myself being able to regurgitate lines while I was watching it. The whole first half of the movie, my goodness, I could pretty much finish just about all the lines, and it made me wonder how many times have I watched this movie? And the fact that I hadn't seen it in so long... 
because like I said, I, I think it could have, it could have been, you know, Betamax the last time I saw it. I'm sure I probably saw it on TV a couple of times. The movie is light and fun and easy to watch. The tunes are really catchy. And as I've stated before, Kermit is a really endearing character that does not come across as artificial. He seems real, if you will. It is impressive watching the range of emotions that Kermit is able to show in his face that none of the other Muppets show. All of the other Muppets have pretty much just their one expressions. The, the only exception to that pretty much is Miss Piggy, where you have her, uh, her eyelids moving you know, up or down a little bit, depending upon the emotion that they want to convey. But so much more is given in Kermit's, in Kermit's face you know, with the movement of the hand inside, and I am really impressed that they are able to convey so much with that. And it's a fun, easy watch that I think is a, 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 a good movie. It is something that I would not seek out on my own. I would not have go and I would not have gone and watched this on my own if it if it had not been for uh, the the podcast. The next time I'm going to watch this movie is probably going to be with grandkids because it is so wholesome and fun and nice and happy. But in the end, you know, for me as a movie going guy, I'm giving this three solid fucks. Three solid fucks from the professor. I love that grandkid comment. That just made me smile. Because I, too, I, too, can't wait to watch this with the grandkids. Um, the Muppet Movie, 1979. I remember this movie very well. I remember when I saw it for the first time, and I remember uh, the feelings that I had when I watched it, when I watched it last night, because that's what nostalgia does. Is it a perfect movie? No. Is it a fun, family-friendly movie with a catchy soundtrack and uh, a good message? Yes. It very much is. So with that, I am giving the Muppet movie 4.25 fucks. That is a very coherent and concise movie review. Hey, thanks, buddy. It was quick, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. What else is new? <laughs> I am the master of quick. Yes, that's right. All right. With 4.25 fucks from me, three fucks from the professor, and four solid fucks from the comic book guy, the Muppet movie 1979 has an average of 3.75 fucks, which puts it in the 14th spot with Booksmart, The Blues Brothers, Fallen, Hell or High Water, and Cabin in the Woods. It is like those are some different movies. Yeah, they are. It is slightly better than Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Green Street Hooligans, Dogma, Talladega Nights, and it is slightly worse than Rambo: First Blood Part Two, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Die Hard Two, Die Harder, and Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. All right, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. If you would like to know which movie we are going to review next, uh, cross your fingers and hope for the best. Or they could check out the website. And where's that at? At threeguysinaflick.com, where typically I update the website when I have time, which I haven't had much lately. But you would find all of our show notes, all of our podcasts, and we have a form on there that you can go and you could submit movies you would like us to review next. They will go into our Bronco helmet. 
You can also find us at all of social media as well as every place that hosts podcasts. I just want to thank Zach, Ronnie, and Jill for listening. Keep on listening. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Ronnie. Thanks, Jill. And I want to thank anyone else who listens and who has suggested a movie. If you keep listening, we'll keep recording. For Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening. Dreamers. And, and me. Love. We're going to sing the and me and then go into the. All right. So one more time. And don't add words. Don't okay. put just. When did I say just? At the beginning. You want to do it again? Yes. Did I just say that? Although I do like the song that Gonzo sang. Of course you do. Um, Come Gonzo on my face. <laughs> Professor's trying not to laugh. <laughs> we'll have to go back and listen. Oh, really? Adding words to Rainbow Connection? Go on. Doc Holiday. Doc Holiday. One of Dr. Honeydew's inventions, Instagrow pills. How do I get me some of those Instagrow pills? Temporarily enlarges. (laughs) If it lasts longer than four hours. Go see a physician. Obligatory? Obligatory. Shot your load. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Right in your eye. Go ahead there, guy. The only thing that could have made this movie better was zombies. I don't know about that. Uh, strippers, maybe. Like having a, you know, Kermit eat Miss Piggy. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he already has, bud. Professor, you have a porn name for the Muppet movie? Never in a million years am I going to give a porn name to the Muppet movie. Stick in the mud. The fuck it movie. Not bad. Not bad. I was thinking the... Uh, Muffet movie, right? A smut it movie. I keep going, or just the Muppet porn movie. Oh, yeah. Well, let's keep it simple, right? The Muppet porn movie. I'd watch it. Uh, Fuck yeah, I'd watch it. You saw Team America, right? You saw Team America. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. That's some funny shit. Yeah, it is. (laughs) All right. May all of your uh, days and nights be filled with. Happiness. All right, fuck off. Good night.